Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our special series, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, an eight-week journey designed to help you develop a deeply rooted spirituality in Christ. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. There's so much more to your story than what's on the surface. God is calling you to dive deeper, to see how your joys, losses, dreams, and experiences have shaped you. What will the Holy Spirit speak to your soul? through Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. What's up, Liquid Church? Let's give a big welcome to all of our live locations, Church Online. It is great to see you guys, and I'm so glad that you're here for week six of our series, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Kyra, and I wanna thank you for joining our church as we have traveled below the iceberg of our souls for the past five weeks. Now, last week, we talked about how God wants to enlarge your soul through grief and loss. And I really wanna thank everyone for allowing our prayer teams to actually pray for so many of you after the services. I personally prayed for people who are navigating all sorts of losses from depression to death. And I felt like I was given the chance to join Jesus in the garden with many of you. So thank you for allowing us to minister to you last week. Now today we're gonna be talking about slowing down to do the deep work of going under the iceberg. Specifically, we're gonna be talking about how can we discover the rhythms of Sabbath and incorporate a rhythm of rest into our daily lives by practicing Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath. Sabbath in Hebrew means Shabbat, which actually is a word that means to stop or rest. Sabbath is actually what allows us to do the deeper work in our interior life. In fact, has anybody noticed that to do the reflective work of being able to name your losses, to pay attention to what you're feeling, or even identify some of your family of origin issues, you actually have to slow down. Anybody notice that? By the way, has it been hard for you? Because I know it's been hard for me. But that's why we need to practice the Sabbath rhythms that we've been teaching you, like silence and solitude. Because when you're able to start your day with some stillness and silence before the Lord, guys, that's like taking a mini Sabbath throughout your week. And so I think the practice of Sabbath is actually more relevant than ever before. When I was preparing this message, I read that pre-pandemic, nearly a third of Americans actually clocked 45 hours or more every week at work with around 8 million people putting in 60 hours or more. And when COVID-19 hit last year, nearly everyone went into overdrive. People were logging at least three more hours on the job each day. Many people stopped commuting, but then they poured all of that extra time into Zoom meetings and Slack messages. The line blurred between work and home and we let work take over. So it's actually no wonder that a third of Americans have actually come out of the pandemic in burnout. And what I mean by burnout is when you feel 
totally used up. You're like a battery that's so depleted, it actually can't be recharged. In fact, burnout's gotten so pervasive, there's even a book that claims burnout is afflicting an entire generation that's called Can't Even, How Millennials Became the Burnout Generation. Guys, burnout is a symptom of the fact that overwork in our culture keeps getting worse. Because it's not just about work. People now talk about feeling burnout from all sorts of things that aren't work, but feel like work. Like you have to work on your marriage. You have to work on your health. You have to work harder on raising your kids. You have to serve more at church. Remember when we talked about how our activity for God outpaces our being with God? And we end our days exhausted from all of this activity, and then our free time on weekends actually becomes filled with even more demands in an already overscheduled life. We say yes to too many things. And as a result, people across all walks of life, whether you're rich, poor, young, old, caretakers, cared for, faithful, faithless, people are coming out of this pandemic worn down, wiped out, threadbare, on edge, battered, and battle-scarred. How did we get here? Well, I have a theory. We've forgotten our Sabbath rhythms. To actually stop, embrace our limits, and rest. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them just rest. Stopping to rest is actually the commandment that God placed smack in the center of all ten. And today I want to teach you how to biblically practice Sabbath rhythms and learn how to Sabbath like it's 1999, you know what I'm saying, or 2021. So uh, let's open our Bibles, and I want to invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. Because the Sabbath is actually 3,500 years old. It's a spiritual practice that God gave to Israel as a gift after delivering them from slavery in Egypt. And when you think of the Ten Commandments, right, you think about do not steal, do not lie, do not murder. We often think of things that God doesn't want us to do. Don't commit adultery. But in the Fourth Commandment, God actually wants us to do something, and it's something radical. He wants us to take the day off. Let's read it together, church. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, which is just another word to say set apart. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, meaning the whole family, nor your male or female servant, like if you have people who work for you, nor your animals, nor any foreign, foreigner residing in your towns. Now, what's the reason that God gives for taking a day off? Like, what's the reason behind the Sabbath? Well, verse 11 actually says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he, what's the word, church? Rested. On the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So you see, the Sabbath actually goes back to the very beginning of creation, all the way back to Genesis. Back when God created the heavens, the earth, the sky, the sea, the sun, the moon, the stars, plants, animals, everything. He created human beings, man, woman, 
I mean, come on, church, not bad for a week's worth, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you think you guys are productive, you come home and you're like, I crushed that Monday, I did so many emails, and God's like, I made Africa, you know? <laughs> but notice, God actually did something amazing on the seventh day. He rested. And this is key, because the Sabbath actually calls us to do nothing as part of our schedules every week. And not just do nothing, but to actually be with God. So understand, a biblical Sabbath is just is more than our version of an American weekend, like a Saturday or Sunday where we catch up on shores, we do something fun by vegging out. It's the opposite of that. A true biblical Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which Christians actually do four things. And the first is we stop. Sabbath is actually 24 hours in your weekly calendar when we seize all of our work, both paid and unpaid, because you follow the example of your Creator. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. In other words, church, on the seventh day you let go of the illusion that you are actually indispensable to running the world. Instead, you actually embrace your limits by affirming God is actually this, at the center of my life and you can trust him to provide for you. On the Sabbath, we acknowledge our work is never finished and it never will be, and that's okay. God is on the throne, not me. He's the one running it, so he's not panicking. Newsflash. He can run the universe without you. The second thing we do is we rest. The Bible actually says by the seventh day, God had finished doing the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it what church? Holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating what he had done. What this means is that since you're made in God's image, you're actually designed to enjoy rest. To actually rest, not just from work, but from physical exhaustion, from hurriedness, from multitasking, from work, from decision-making, from technology, from even catching up on errands. And the Sabbath is a day to replace all of that activity with whatever is life-giving to your soul. For taking a walk, going hiking, enjoying good food, mmm, que rico, reading a book, taking a nap. And I know that all of this requires advanced planning. Like if you're going to take the day off and truly Sabbath, you actually need to use your other six days to complete your unpaid work, right? We have to all pay bills, we have to email, check the dog, you know, take the dog out, take it to the vet, balance the checkbook. Do people still do that? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Our modern version of the weekend actually often means we're gonna be crazy running around all weekend, shuttling kids to sport, we're gonna catch up on house projects, we're gonna go shop at the mall, we're gonna run to Ikea, my gosh, good luck with that, there goes six hours. Basically, we're gonna be trying to catch up on all of the work that we didn't get to during the week. It's all on paid work. But the Sabbath is holy. Holy is actually a word that means it's set aside for a special purpose. It's for rest that actually leads to the third thing, which is to delight in God, 
to delight in God. Have you guys ever wondered, if God is all-powerful and infinite, why did God rest after six days of work? Like, was he tired and needed a break? No, God didn't rest because he was tired. Catch this. He rested because he took time to delight in his creation. In Genesis 1.31, God actually says, I, all that he had made was very good. In other words, he took time to savor and enjoy all of his accomplishments. And like him, we are to delight in all that we've been given, to actually delight in creation and its gifts. So here's a great question for you. What brings you deep joy and delight? Because that's what Sabbath is for. You may be sitting here today asking, well, what do you do on your Sabbath, Kyra? Well, the first thing you need to know is that for me, Sunday is not a Sabbath, okay? I work on Sundays. It's very life-giving to me. I love being with you all, but it's not very reflective. It's actually the opposite. It's very active and busy. I work all day. For many of you who don't work on Sundays, your Sabbath will actually be on a Sunday. But really, the day doesn't matter. Because what matters is that you set aside a 24-hour block of time that works for your schedule. Now, for our family, Sabbath actually starts on Friday evening at 6 p.m. Fridays are my day off, so that's the day that I do all of my unpaid work. I go to Costco in the morning, set myself up for the week, I take my kids to the doctor, I do laundry. But then once 6 o'clock comes in the evening, I step away, and I actually stop. I step back from my job as a pastor, try not to answer emails, return phone calls, work on leadership stuff. And I want to be transparent with you. There are weeks where I keep my Sabbath rhythms really well. And then there are other times where I fail big time. Not because I don't want to or even know how important it is, but quite honestly, guys, I don't have it all fully figured out yet. Part of it is my season in life. I'm a special needs mom. There's just no stopping unpaid work when you have a child that requires care 24-7. So just time out. Parents with kids with special needs or if you're a caregiver, have grace for yourselves, okay? You may not have a full 24-hour period, but my prayer is that you're able to have pockets of rest throughout your day with some good planning and some good preparation. But on the weeks that we're able to actually keep our Sabbath, my family and I, on Fridays, we order out. Because remember, Sabbath is about what brings you delight, and cooking is not the thing that brings me delight, okay? We sit at the table, all four of us, we enjoy our meal, I don't let my daughter have her phone, we're free of technology. Typically, we watch a movie there, you know, after. On Saturdays, we go on a lot of bike rides. My husband got us into the hobby during the pandemic when everything was closed, and we've been keeping at it. Sometimes we go for a nice long walk. Sometimes I just spend time with one of my kids. It's actually doing things that are really life-giving to me. And this is going to look different for everyone here. For example, my husband loves to work out. That is the opposite of life-giving to me. So I actually sleep in while he does that. But I wonder, what brings you joy and delight? Is it making music? Do you love to garden? Play guitar? Like, what's your jam? Is it painting, exercising, serving at church? Because by the way, you can still serve Christ on your Sabbath. The point of the Sabbath is that God invites you to pamper your soul with the things that restore and nourish it. And serving Christ should actually bring us a lot of delight. In fact, 
Mercy and compassion were the missing elements that Jesus actually brought back into Sabbath keeping. If you remember, Jesus was often criticized for doing acts of compassion on the Sabbath. So serve him at church, delight in his presence, and then we do the fourth and final thing. We carve out time to contemplate. Notice it says, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So the central focus of the Sabbath is actually to worship, to spend time basking in the love of the Father and giving gratitude to Jesus. It's why we gather for worship on Sundays. You're carving out time to sing to God, to read his word. Remember, what Jesus did to redeem our sin and reunite us to God is what brings us to church. And like the other four stages of the Sabbath, you actually need to prepare in order to contemplate. Like, you prepare by thinking, what are the days or the times that I'm actually going to be incorporating silence and solitude during my Sabbath? How am I going to prepare my heart to worship God and receive his word? If you've noticed, it's why in this season we've been practicing our daily devotions. You guys have been doing that? I hope you have. It's been an amazing practice. We're actually training our exercises, our silence and stillness muscles, to learn how do we slow down our hearts for silence and stillness, which, like I said before, it's actually one of the ways that we have a mini Sabbath with God during the week. Because do you know what happens when you start to incorporate Sabbath rhythms? into your weekly schedule, those same rhythms actually start to make their way into the rest of your week. Because when you observe Sabbath weekly, you actually learn how to enter God's rest throughout the rest of your week. You learn to be attentive to God's presence. And eventually, in everything that you do, whether it's meeting with people, eating a meal, having a meeting, talking to one of your children, you become aware of God's presence throughout every little thing that you're doing in your day. Now, I know many of you have been dipping your toe in the water. You've been practicing the silence and solitude rhythm throughout your week. I get it. It may feel forced. Maybe it feels a little awkward still, but can I just encourage you? Keep pressing on, church. You're developing muscles, and this awareness of God's presence throughout every part of your day is actually what's awaiting you on the other side. Because you know what? When we fail to live with Sabbath rhythms, we're actually living out of a false self. Because we tie our identity to everything except the only thing that matters, which is the deep love of God and His will for our lives. But when we take time to be with the Lord, He actually helps us see Him more clearly during the week. And that's why Jesus actually observed the Sabbath every week of His life. This isn't some Old, New, you know, Old Testament ritual. It's actually part of Jesus' spiritual rhythm. Luke 4 actually says, Jesus went as, what's the word? Usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the Scriptures. I love another version says, Jesus went to church as he always did on the Sabbath. So if you're a Christ follower, follow your rabbi, church. Rest. Embrace that Sabbath rhythm. Remember, we're not taking time off from God. It's actually the opposite. We take the day off to draw closer to him. Now, I want you to understand 
This is completely countercultural to the way that our world tells us to approach our work-life rhythm. In fact, I'll be, I'll be very transparent. It's the other reason that I sometimes still struggle with adopting and embracing my own Sabbath rhythms. I'm learning still how to place the proper boundaries that I need so that I can keep up with all of my deadlines at work without having to violate the Sabbath. And that's hard. Because American culture values workaholism and drivenness. And I know the same truth has been ingrained in many of you as well. And that's why I love this series, because it's actually teaching us how do we identify what we have been taught about the concept of work, both by our, the culture, but also by our families of origins. In fact, last week I sat down with my good friends Sharon and Rich, Sharon is one of my co-workers here at Liquid. She's a trusted friend. Rich is her husband, and they, they were sharing with me how through EHS, they actually became aware of some of the scripts that they needed to let go of regarding work that they inherited both from their families of origin as well as the culture. I want to invite you to check them out. My parents immigrated here from Taiwan when they were probably in their early 30s. When they came here, they had to learn a new language, learn a completely different culture. And I think for them, that brought up a lot of anxiety, a lot of feeling the need to perform. So they worked really, really hard. That really took a toll on our family, uh, just the fact that my dad worked really hard and my mom was also working as well and she would sometimes work on the weekends. I think growing up, I just always saw that. I just always saw my parents overworking and thought that was the norm. From acknowledging that my parents were working a lot, I. I realized in myself I started working a lot, but I think that realization of me working a lot didn't come until going through something like EHS. It was normal for me to be in a bunch of activities at the same time and just continue to strive and continue to perform um, because that was how you were going to secure a more secure and better life. One script that I, I heard from my family of origin and really a shared experience from the Asian American perspective is that you have to work hard and you work hard to achieve goals. And the validation of your hard work is achieving those goals. And I do think that that came from a, a mentality of immigrants coming into a new country, learning a new culture, a vastly different culture than their own. But now that I'm living out EHS, what I'm learning is that achievement is really about survival and what EHS is teaching us is about thriving and and by thriving we really need to take a step back and really take a look at what is really important in our lives and if if it really is spending time with God what we need to do is we need to break free from some of those thoughts of high achievement um, of taking that next step of climbing that corporate ladder and really think through what does God have for me what does God want for me and what should I really be doing in order to not only honor the sacrifices that my parents have, as well as think about what has God placed me for. Wasn't that fascinating? Did you guys catch the connection to their family of origin? I mean, I have to say, I totally get it. I understand because I'm not an immigrant, but I am a transplant to the Northeast. And when I came here, I quickly realized, man, New Jersey is fast-paced, achievement-oriented. And I think that's why the pandemic took a toll on all of us. Because like Rich said, we went into survival mode. But I love his statement. I love what he said. We're made to thrive, not survive. 
And that's the gift that Sabbath rhythms affords our lives. Now hear me out, church. Work is a good thing. In fact, work is a gift from God. Did you know that? In Genesis, God gave Adam and Eve daily work, which was to tend paradise. Pretty good job, if you ask me. As a gift. Adam cultivated the garden as a gift. So don't mishear me or don't mishear this. It is important to have a God-given purpose in your life, whether it's raising kids at home, working in a classroom, designing graphics, stocking shelves, running a business. The problem is, that our culture actually encourages and rewards overworking. It's one of our culturally, and I would say even sometimes Christian, acceptable sins. Because if you've been in the habit of overworking, it actually becomes hardwired in your body and in your brain, which then makes it really hard for you to stop. And that's why the normal rhythm here in the Northeast looks something like this, where you're actually Work, 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 vacation. Because I'm totally burnt out and I am a crispy critter. All right, vacation's over. Deep breath, guys. Here we go. Work, 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 vacation. That's how people do it. We burn the candle at both ends. And that's why everyone's completely fried and frazzled after the pandemic, because all we did was work we went into overdrive and so people are saying i'm burnt out i need a vacation or even better actually quit my job so that i can phew catch my breath but that's the secular rhythm which is why the number one spiritual enemy that will oppose you from practicing sabbath is actually a spirit of workaholism because that's what the world values but i want to teach you in contrast what sabbath rhythms actually looks like. Sabbath looks like this. Sabbath, work. Sabbath, work. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. On the Sabbath, we rest from our work. And then we work from our rest. We're relaxed and well-rested because we're cooperating with the divine rhythm that God actually built throughout the entire creation. Did you guys know Sabbath is literally woven into the fabric of the universe? Think about the rhythms of creation. The sun rises and the sun sets. The tide goes in and the tide goes out. In six days, God created all that was made, and on the seventh day, he rested. There's a rhythm to planets and seasons, including you. God designed you to enjoy Sabbath. Sabbath, work. Sabbath, work as a sustainable rhythm of rest and work. Now, this was a radical concept when God introduced it 3,500 years ago, and it is even more countercultural in 2021. Because right now we are in a cultural moment where American society is in an existential crisis of burnout and overwhelm. Where after years of worshiping a cultural idol of drivenness, which actually rewards busy people who are productive and work, 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 we've discovered how unsustainable that pace of life really is. 
Because the truth is, you can't be emotionally healthy and spiritually grow if you don't rest. And Sabbath is essential for a follower of Christ who wants to grow deeper in faith, love, and union with God. Guys, you know what's it like in America today. Our identity is often tied to our work. When, in fact, when we meet someone new, what's the first thing or the first question that you typically ask? What do you do, right? In other words, we define people by their work or their job title. She's an accountant. He's a nurse. He owns a construction company. She works at Target. If you've been unemployed or you're a stay-at-home parent, you know it can be awkward to feel like you're not if officially employed, but I want you to listen to me carefully. Part of who we are is what we do, but it's not the deepest truth about who you are in the sight of God. First of all, you're a human being. You're not a human doing, but when things get twisted and our job or our title actually becomes the foundation of our identity, we swallow the lie that our work determines our worth, and that is a lie from the pit of hell. That's what Rich and Sharon actually learned. Sabbath is actually the tool that God created that's going to allow us to thrive, not just survive. So let's hear it from them. I think a lot of times Sabbath is explained as, oh, just take a day off and relax and restore and that's all great. But for myself, the thing that I really struggle with is surrender and control. I started recognizing that I was addicted to being the God of my own life, to try to provide for myself, to use work as a way uh, towards security, towards feeling more safe. It became a, a personal challenge and a personal mission to really try to embrace Sabbath and not just do it as something that you check off the box, but actually try to make sure that my heart is in the right place. Sabbath is sleep in, get some cuddle time with our new puppy. I think sometimes we like to try to plan out Sabbath, but then you know we change it at the moment it's just allowing for flexibility and that sort of spontaneous fun that we don't always get throughout the week. Earlier this year when we went through the EHS series, I began to understand that the core concepts of silence and solitude are the foundation for how we approach God. What I feel the world tugging me towards is thinking about what's next, what's in the future, what do I have to plan for? By practicing Sabbath, um, I feel like God is showing me that what he really wants from me is to be in his presence, to delight uh, in what he delights in. What I like to do on my Sabbath is, is really to uh, read and reflect, really being silent and still and also reflective on what God has been showing me throughout the week, perhaps emotions or feelings that I've had uh, or that, have, that I've been processing internally that I haven't yet expressed out and potentially I really need to think through those and think through those emotions in order to understand where God is leading me. Can we hear it for Sharon and Rich? Guys, God uses the Sabbath to help you thrive, to help you become more in tune to His Spirit, to give you gifts like creativity in problem solving, like Sharon was mentioning, and ultimately use your Sabbath rhythms to remind you you are a beloved child of the King. Your worth doesn't come from what you do, but from who you are, a beloved son or daughter of the Most High God who has lavished His love and His grace on you. The Sabbath is about receiving God's love for you apart from your work. You actually stop striving and you simply bask 
in God's affection, apart from any performance. That's what sets us apart as people of the cross, that we are loved by the creator of the universe. He's our daddy. He's our father. We are flawed, but we're forgiven in Christ. We are set free and fully accepted in God's eyes. So your father already loves you. So guys, break off your chains and live free. Remember, your worth does not come from what you do, but what Christ did for you on the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. I finished the work. I paid your bill of sin. So you have nothing to prove. Friends, you and I are worthy, not because of our work, but because of God's grace. Amen, church. Say amen if you agree. So let me ask you a question. Who's ready to Sabbath this week. I want you to make some noise if you're ready for a day off with God. Remember, there are four things that you need to make your Sabbath successful in 2021. And weave a Sabbath rhythm into your life. So here's how to do it. First, you stop and you designate a day. It could be Sunday or it could be any day, but make it a full 24 hours of rest. Remember, it's not just church, then chores. I want you to plan a day for running errands, doing housework, and then have a day of true rest. It'll look different for all of us, but try to pick one consistent time period. The second thing I want you to do is rest and set clear boundaries, because you need to set clear boundaries that set apart your Sabbath from business as usual the other six days of the week. So. If you're married, sit down as a family, make a plan. Think of what needs to be done to clear the way for a true Sabbath. What errands do I have to do? What emails, grocery shopping, bills, mowing the lawn, whatever it is that you have to figure out. I loved how practical Rich and Sharon got because they said, I, we automate as much as we can. And so I want you to listen because I sat down and I asked them, how do you prepare for the Sabbath? So listen in as they tell you what they do. So Sabbath keeping is very challenging. I used to kind of just try to slide into the Sabbath where I'm just like, oh, now it's time for my Sabbath. Let me just start it. But I realized one, I had a ton of laundry to do, but also my heart wasn't prepared for it. Any sort of like errands like that, I'll try to finish it in the morning. And then by late Friday afternoon, as Rich is getting off work, I'll try to slow down my heart by listening to some worship music, maybe working out to try to get like any sort of excess anxiety or energy out and I think the most important thing for us that we're continually working on we literally just talked about this too is connecting with each other checking in having heart checks um, for our relationship too during the week I'll try my best to make sure that everything that we need to do from a chore perspective is automated in in trying to make sure that in the morning um, things are put away uh, there's light cleaning light tidying at the end of the day all the dishes are put into dishwasher, you, you clean up and you get ready for the next day. And I really do think that daily rhythm helps set us up for the Sabbath. And so on Friday nights, Sharon and I have date night, so we'll watch a movie or maybe we'll go out to a restaurant and really enjoy each other's presence. One advice I would give to someone who is just starting to practice Sabbath is to take it slowly. Perhaps start with daily offices. There are easy ways to understand how to practice silence and solitude. As that uh, muscle grows, continue to expand that time from maybe five minutes to 10 minutes to one hour, two hours, and then all the way up until a full day of Sabbath. 
When I start working from rest, I realize I become more creative. I start thinking of more solutions that are outside of the box. Then I get to see God at work in miraculous ways. And it really just brings new color and new meaning, I think, to my work and also to my life. Guys, did you hear what they said? I love the idea of automation, meal prep. So if you're married, here's my challenge to you. Set some time today and go have a practical talk about what needs to change in your current rhythms in order to incorporate Sabbath rhythms. And if you're single, grab a friend who knows you well and do the same thing. Because remember, this isn't a one-day thing and done. Sharon and Rich actually had to plan and think and architect what do we need to make our Sabbath rhythm work, and so will you. The third thing I want you to do is to delight. Make a happy list. Make a list of all of the places, the people, the activities that energize you, that bring a joy to your soul. Go on a hike with your family. Curl up on the couch. Get lost in a good novel. That's one of the things that I love to do. Curate your happy list with things that are life-giving to your soul. And then don't stress out. Give yourself grace. Guys, there's going to be unique challenges to your season of life. You're caring for little kids. If you have elderly parents or you have special needs kids like I do, it's okay. You know what Jesus said? He said in Mark, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So remember, it's a gift from God made just for you. So have fun. And last but not least, contemplate with a grateful heart. Guys, God just gave you 52 days off this year. Can we just thank him? Thank you, Jesus. Christ has saved you from slavery to sin and worthlessness, and now you're the Father's dearly loved, totally accepted child with nothing to prove. So stop striving. Breathe. Open your heart to God. And let this reality sink into your soul. Say it with me. Like, I'm going to say it, and then I want you to say it. I did nothing productive today. Say it. I did nothing productive today, and yet I am utterly loved and utterly adored by my Father. I promise you, week by week by week, you're going to be starting to feel the clarity, the calm, the peace of God. You're going to become more aware of His presence throughout the week, not just on Sabbath. You'll be rested. You'll be relaxed. Wouldn't that be awesome? To describe you as we end 2021, I want people to come up to me and say, Kyra, you look so relaxed. Were you on vacation? And I want to tell them, no, I Sabbath. That's what I want for you. Less stress, more Sabbath, more opportunities to listen and be aware of God's presence. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayer, church. Father, I thank you for the gift of Sabbath that you have given us. I pray now for every sister and brother of mine that are under the sound of my voice. Would you help them, Lord? Would you help them now take this challenge of figuring out what do they need to do in order to embrace a Sabbath rhythm? Because, Lord, ultimately, we're learning as your children how do we actually make more space to hear your voice, to become aware of your presence. And that's what we want, not just one day a week. We want it all seven days of the week. And we know that Sabbath is the gift that you give us in order to become aware of your presence. And so I pray that people would take this challenge, that it would be a moment for them to change the direction of their lives if they're not already doing it. Thank you for this truth. We love you, Lord. And we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.
you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.